Well, hello, good evening and welcome, as David Frost used to say. I'm Chris Gregory and this is episode 8 of the first season of A Headful of Ideas, a Bob Dylan podcast. Today we're going to have a look at Bob Dylan's 1970 album, Self Portrait. And look, before you switch off, just give me a minute, OK? I mean, what is he wasting his time with that for, you're saying? What a bunch of slush. And yes, it regularly appears in those extremely tedious articles in which some rock hack gives us a list of the worst albums of all time. And why not have a go at Bob while you're at it? Don't they love it? In reality, the reputation of self-portraits gone up quite a lot over the years, so perhaps you haven't turned off by now. If you haven't, this is Self-Portrait, an American Symphony. Self-Portrait has long been Bob Dylan's most controversial album. On its release in 1970, it was greeted with shock and incomprehension. Here was the greatest protest singer and visionary poet of his age crooning corny country songs. On the double fold-out cover, there were a whole lot of shots of our man as he mulls around the farmyard, scratching his wispy beard, apparently talking to the chickens. The front cover is a childlike series of paint splodges, which vaguely resembles a face. This is Dylan's own self-portrait, the first of the album's gestures of emptiness. Having spent his career so far producing albums of original material so powerful that they rewrote the rules on writing songs, he now produces a double album with no new Dylan songs at all. Even those that are credited to him, like Living the Blues and Belle Isle, are actually slight adaptations of existing folk and blues tunes. In Chronicles, he claims that, at the beginning of the 70s, fed up with being acclaimed as the prophet or saviour of the Woodstock nation, he made an album, which he does not name, merely to annoy his fans so that they would knock him off his pedestal. Well, hmm, whether he was winding us up or not with that pronouncement, self-portrait is lovingly and quite cunningly conceived. It is a self-portrait using the words and music of others, a picture of Bob Dylan derived from his absence. In many ways, it sounds better today than when it first appeared. We no longer have the anxiety and disappointment of this being the new Dylan album. It stands alone as a landmark, not only in Dylan's career, but in the evolution of American popular music. The album consists of Dylan running through a selection of the kind of material he would have become familiar with in his early days in Greenwich Village. Old folk, blues, country and sentimental songs mostly delivered in Dylan's newly patented Nashville skyline croon, another sign of the apparent absence of the folk hero he had become. Yet while in his early folk days the songs would have been performed against a stark acoustic guitar with Dylan's harsh declamatory vocals, Here, the Nashville session musicians help create a smoothly relaxed groove. Self-portrait is more than the sum of its parts. It's simultaneously a conceptual experiment, a joke, and a serious attempt by Dylan to get back to his roots. What really distinguishes the album, however, is its sequencing providing us with a tapestry of American music which flows together with its own internal logic. The album begins with one of the strangest entries in Dylan's catalogue as the three backing singers trill the lines 
All the tired horses in the sun, how am I supposed to get any riding done? Over and over again, against sweeping strings. It's quite a haunting tune though, is it? And I promise that's the only time I'm going to sing on this podcast. The singers pronounce riding so that it could easily be mistaken for writing. Dylan himself is absent from the track. Here again, his absence is foregrounded. We're getting a little bit post-structural here, aren't we? Post-structural? Post-structuralist. That's it. The suite of songs that follows presents a cornucopia of American music, which begins and ends with two laid-back versions of Leadbelly's slow and slyly lustful Alberta. In between that, Dylan plays with his audience's perceptions, presenting himself as an out-and-out crooner on a bizarre version of the standard Blue Moon, which ends in a screechy violin solo and a fully committed take on the maudlin country standard I forgot more than you'll ever know. How far can I push this, Dylan must surely have been thinking. Later, he will give us a similarly sweet take on two Everly Brothers songs, The Prisoner's Lament, Take a Message to Mary, and the gorgeous love song, Let It Be Me. Much of the album was overdubbed with strings, anathema to many Dylan fans who associated orchestration with the old sentimental styles, which Dylan himself appeared to have contributed so much to destroying. Yet the use of strings ties the album together, giving it a symphonic sweep. There are two versions of the rather gleeful murder ballad In Search of Little Sadie. One fast, the other even faster. There's a lovely rendition of Gordon Lightfoot's Early Morning Rain in which Dylan croons in a deep, respectful baritone. The traditional Gold Rush tune Days of 49 sounds, in contrast, very much like the old Dylan and could almost have appeared on his first album. Self-Portrait thus presents us with different versions of the singer. He's a barrel house piano player on the instrumental Woogie Boogie, a light jazzy blues crooner on It Hurts Me Too and Living the Blues, and the leader of a cheery folk ensemble on Paul Clayton's Gotta Travel On. The album's outstanding track is Dylan's fully committed and nuanced rendition of Copper Kettle, the old bootlegger song in which the narrator luxuriates in being able to lay there by the juniper while the moon is bright, watch them jugs a-fill in in the pale moonlight. Dylan's powerful vocal performance sums up the mood of the whole album. The old bootlegger delights in how easy it is to produce his moonshine gin and whiskey. He lies back, contentedly inebriated, caring not about what effect the distilling of his potent brew may have on him, or those who will receive it. It is as if Dylan himself is laying back, chuckling at us all. Surely, he seems to be teasing us, he has earned the right now to take it easy. One of the most controversial aspects of self-portrait was the use of string arrangements. Prior to this, Dylan, with his famous commitment to spontaneity, had mostly been recorded live in the studio, issuing overdubs, but here he allows producer Bob Johnston to overlay many of the tracks with strings. In 2016, when the bootleg series release Another Self-Portrait came out, ironically to great critical acclaim, a number of the songs from the album were presented in a more recognisably Dylan-esque manner, with the overdubs removed. The stripped-down version of Copper Kettle demonstrates Dylan's vocal prowess very effectively, but there is still something missing here. 
In fact, the effect of the orchestration is to bind the album together, making it sound more like a continuous, unified piece of music. An American symphony, which in some ways recalls the work of the acclaimed American classical composer Aaron Copland, who based his compositions on traditional folk tunes. Extracts from Copland's Appalachian Spring were regularly played before Dylan's live shows for several years in the 2000s. Self-Portrait also includes several tracks from the Isle of Wight Festival show in 1969, in which Dylan played a unique set of countryfied arrangements in his songs. Now, in some ways, the Isle of Wight show is the live equivalent of Self-Portrait. It's the only show that Dylan plays, only full show that he plays, between 1966 and 1974, which is eight years, which is a huge length of time, given that Dylan is still a, a young man in the height of his fame. And well over 100,000 people crowd onto the Isle of Wight, waiting for the arrival of the Messiah, I guess. And what they get is a guy in a white suit, smiling, saying hi to everybody, and singing in a kind of country, laid-back country style. The songs that appear on Self-Portrait give us a bit of a glimpse of this. Like a Rolling Stone, which of course formed the climax of the 1966 tour, and was then performed with manic energy, is now presented as a pleasant ballad, with all that original rage stripped away. She Belongs to Me is heavily and rather quirkily rearranged. Quinn the Eskimo is a rollicking tape on this surreal nonsense rhyme from the Basement Tapes. The other track from the show, Minstrel Boy, another song originally from the Basement Tapes, is actually a new Bob Dylan song, so... So when I said there were no new Bob Dylan songs on Self-Portrait, I was lying. Okay, yes, I was lying. Well, it's my podcast. I can lie on my own podcast. Everything else you hear will be true, of course. So Minstrel Boy could be taken to be the theme tune of the Isle of Wight festival show and Self-Portrait. It centres on the plaintive cry, Who's going to throw that Minstrel Boy a coin? Who's going to let it roll? who's going to let it down easy to save his soul. And Dylan himself is, of course, the minstrel boy, just a poor boy singing for his supper rather than some great counter-cultural hero. At least that's what he's telling us. Ironically, this unique performance of the song is given to the huge crowd that have assembled to see Dylan at one of the first major rock festivals. What these tracks again emphasise is the conceptual absence of the recognisable Dylan. Other songs on self-portrait deliver this antithetical presentation of himself in different ways, and really very sly ways, I'd say. Take me as I am, or let me go, is a very syrupy Nashville-type country song which Dylan covers in that spirit, originally a hit for Jimmy Dickens in 1954, with the syrupy steel guitar in full effect. The song is a rejection of a lover who apparently wishes to mould and reshape the narrator, a sentimental version perhaps of It Ain't Me Babe. Dylan delivers it in a histrionic croon, challenging the audience to accept this hollow version of himself. He turns the corny lyrics into a challenge to his listeners, here is a singer, he seems to be telling us, not a prophet. They can either accept him or not. 
Another conceptual experiment is the rather weird version of Paul Simon's brilliant opus of personal struggle, The Boxer. Both Dylan voices, that of the old abrasive folk singer and the newly smooth crooner, feature with one double tracked over the other. So, here are two Dylans, but we do not know which one is real. Perhaps they're both real. But as they strain to harmonise together, Simon's words, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains, reminds us that the old Dylan may soon return. So, well, you're still listening. If we've got this far, perhaps I've convinced you of something. So I'd like to challenge you now to go and look in that dusty old record collection in the back of the shed, or perhaps you could just go on Spotify or YouTube, and I'm sure you'll find the wonderful self-portrait there. Now I'm going to give you a set of instructions. Uh, Treat this like a shamanic meditation session. Cast away your Grail Marcus reviews, your worst album of all time rankings. Kick back in Drown and Dylan's Symphony of America, a musical self-portrait constructed of other people's words and music. Take a deep breath, let it wash over you. It'll give you more gold than your apron could hold. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed tonight's show. And um, next week we're covering the wedding song, so that'll cheer you up. You can check me out on my website, which is called From the Pen of Chris Gregory. It's got lots of Bob Dylan stuff and lots of other writing on it as well. And my uh, recent book on Bob Dylan, Determined to Stand, Reinvention of Bob Dylan, is on sale there. There's a book, an e-book, and an audio book. Sadly, not as an ice skating musical, but I'm working on that. You can also follow me uh, from the pen of Chris Gregory on Facebook and Twitter. Or any kind of feedback, ideas for the programme would be gratefully accepted. So that's it for now. 